Welcome to the Rizan Worship Songwriting Podcast, episode 71. I'm Joel Payne. I'm Sam Hargreaves. And this is a podcast to equip and inspire grassroots songwriters serving their local church. In this episode, we'll be dissecting the classic song Christ Be In My Waking by Stuart Townend and Simon Brading, reviewing September's Gaps in Threes Challenge, interviewing the marvellous Professor John Swinton and setting a new challenging challenge for October. Hi, Joel. Hi, Sam. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. Thanks. Yeah? Yeah. Jolly good. Yeah. How's, like, doxicology been received? Whew. Yeah, great. Really good. Um, it's, sort of, it's kind of all I've done for a month or so, and therefore it mm. all feels a little bit like a blur. But um, mm. it's been wonderful. We've, I think maybe I said last time that even the buzz ahead of it was more than we known. I, I've never yeah. had a response like this to an album, so it's really mm. nice. And um, as well as people downloading the songs and, um, and, and using them and so on... Um, because we're all online at the moment, I, I've been invited to various conferences and things to go Excellent. and do a little spot, which is so easy to do because I can just yeah. say, sure, I'll, I'll rock up on Saturday or something or other for half an hour. And yeah. that's really nice. So there's things like that happening. Um, yeah, it been lovely. The, the, sort of the enthusiasm from the agencies and the NGOs and so on. You and I did that um, thing with the Baptist yeah, Union, great. Environmental Network, didn't we? Which is a, a new thing they've set up. And um, it's nice. There are still different places just kind of picking it up. Um, so on. I feel like maybe the the big momentum is just just it's just going to let it roll now for a little while. Yeah. yeah. And, um, we didn't mention we were so excited about interviewing Matt and talking about the songs yeah. and stuff. We didn't actually mention that there's a book. Oops. That goes with it. Tell us about the book. The book's fun. Yeah. So mm. we we kind of thought because we've done a whole load of thinking about this and we realised that in a sense it's more than just songs. That there's a whole kind of yeah, there's a there's a bunch of thinking that goes behind um, the idea of doxicology. Mm. So we started talking about doing a little a kind of book, maybe study guides or whatever. And then we went and invited a bunch of people to be part of it. So we've got Jeremy Begbie and we've got David Taylor and all these amazing people. People from uh, Arosha and Tear Fund and Jeremy Williams from Christian Climate Action and Rachel Wilhelm and Sarah, my wife, yeah. and all these people written little chapters and then we did um three service plans at the end as well with loads of downloadable engage worship style powerpoints and videos and stuff yeah so it's exciting isn't it it is exciting yeah it's really good yeah i'm really pleased with it i love i love having a i love having a big pack of stuff um mm. and i do love the idea that people can get a chance to try and think about this stuff as well because otherwise you you can sort of drop the songs into a vacuum can't you exactly and because yeah. you know some of them have a more generic feel and others feel very specific and, and especially the more specific ones they kind of need a context to sing them otherwise yeah they don't really make sense well they do but they they feel a bit odd they stick out yeah you're sort of creating a culture aren't you by sort of doing it if you were to do it over three weeks and people were reading the study guide and stuff you're sort of creating a whole conversation around the themes rather than just Here's an odd song that we might use once every six months or something. Mm. What about you, Sam? <laughs> We've been crazy busy. So Sarah wrote this book called Jesus and Emotions, which is like a family resource. Um, she had the God sort of spoke to her about doing it about a year ago. 
And then as soon as lockdown hit, we were sort of praying about what to do in response. And she said, oh, I need to do this Jesus and Emotions book. And it's really about saying God gave us emotions. Uh, they're there for a reason. They're not good or bad. They just are. And they're there to help us. And then kind of how do we communicate that with children and families? Because in lockdown, you know, lots of people are experiencing real highs and lows of sadness and anger and joy and confusion and all these things so yeah we got our friend uh, Becca to do the design and another friend Louisa to do some illustrations and um, yeah that's again a, a little bit like toxicology we've had a really really great response mm. especially from uh, you know the sort of organizations like Mind and Soul Foundation and Think Twice and again Sarah has done a webinar and and things like that and people just you know buying buying it for their you know, families or church members or whatever. So brilliant. Yeah, it's been encouraging. Um, and then alongside that, because we're crazy, we're also about to launch uh, an Advent resource called Worship in the Waiting, which is if you know our Worship in the Wilderness Lent stuff, I it's the sort of same idea of a church resource pack and then a, a daily reading book. Um, so, yeah, I am literally up to my neck in finishing all that at the moment i've got people proofreading things left right and center and i'm making powerpoints and trying to finish up songs and all of that so but in the middle of you can pre you can pre-order the church pack now yeah and it'll it'll drop in the middle of october because i'm aware that advent is kind of a fixed point <laughs> mm. we kind of people need to have it in time to be able to prepare and stuff so if you're interested look on the engage worship website Fantastic. that's been us have you listened to Daughter Zion's Woe? Oh, yes, I have. How good is Daughter Zion's Woe? It's as good as they say. It's really good. It's very good. So if people don't know what we're on about, it's uh, our friends Rachel Wilhelm. Uh, she has headed it up with uh, Cardophonia and Liturgy Fellowship, and it's a whole album of uh, lament, new lament songs written all by women during lockdown, recorded, you know, via Dropbox yeah. and... And uh, Keiko Ying, our great friend, has got a song on there. And there are other uh, people that people would probably recognise. Like There's Urban a good, good handful of 12-song challenges on there, aren't there? Elise yeah. is on there. Um, yeah. Caitlin's Caitlin. on there. Well done, 12-song challenges. We're, we're taking over. Good. Well, <laughs> well they're taking over Well, they're us. taking over. <laughs> yeah, good point. But it is gorgeous. I, really I put it on last night, um, had it on headphones, um, I've ordered the physical copy man. because I believe in doing that uh, and I'm waiting for it to come. But they, if you do that from Bandcamp, then you get the digital downloads immediately as well. So I was, I was really, it's, it's some of the, the ways it's been recorded is just beautiful. So It's lovely. Yeah. I, I wanted to say, can we be the first on, uh, on, on a public forum to say, Daughter Zion, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> W-O-A-H. <laughs> how long have you been working that one up oh just for at least the last 90 seconds <laughs> i've been waiting i wanted to slip it in it really is good it is it is worthy of that um yeah it's fantastic what a wonderful thing um cool shall we dissect a classic dissect a classic our classic for this month is christ be my waking by stuart townend and simon brading um sam give us a little intro to this song Okay, well, this is um, 
I, I mean, I don't know if this is a classic to everyone. It's a classic to me. Well, uh, Stuart wrote on his website, it's a song that's a reminder to be God aware in all the different parts of our lives. So he kind of prefaces that by saying, you know, we've got a lot of songs that are about here we are now having a time of worship. But what about the other six days of our lives? Um, so he tells us about being God aware from morning to evening and night in my thought life, in the things I say, in the good things, in the sorrows, brackets remembering that Jesus walked the road of sorrows and in our most desperate moments. And um, yeah, I, I think, I, I, I don't know, but I think it's taking something from a prayer uh, from the Sarum Primer from 1514, <laughs> 500 years ago, <clears throat> which people might know the prayer, God be in my head and in my understanding, God be in my eyes and in my looking, God be in my mouth and in my speaking. So it's got that kind of pattern, um, also not dissimilar to Tim Hughes, yeah. um, God in my living. Yeah. And uh, and also a bit of St. Patrick's bless, breastplate St. in there Pratt, as well. St. Patrick's breastplate. Yes, that one. Um, mm. You know, Christ before me, Christ behind Absolutely. me. It's, it's that kind of idea of a kind of sort of encircling prayer, Jesus being all around us. It's a Celtic us. feel, hasn't it? And I don't know why it I think does. it sounds Celtic, but I do. No, I think you're right. I think that is the, that is the kind of tradition of Christ being all around us in everything. Mm. Um, and yeah, I... I use this song all the time, and we... Um, do you think we ought to sing a, a verse? Do you want me to? Yeah. Or do you want it? No, I want you to. Oh, great. <clears throat> so warmed up. Like you weren't ready with your guitar next to you. Just waiting. <laughs> please, please ask me. Please say, no, I can do it. Christ be in my waking As the sun is rising in my day of working with me every hour Christ be in my resting as the day is ending calming and refreshing watching through the night there's another verse like that and the chorus has got this beautiful little descending uh, bass line chromatic bass line Jesus, this is my devotion All my life to know you Every day to walk with you Saviour, you're my deepest longing You're the one I live for Teach me, Lord, to walk with you That's it. Yeah. Okay, um, I'm gonna. I'd like to point out initially the um, it has that you pointed that that descending bass line. It's quite mm. complicated harmonically in the <clears throat> chorus. It does mm. quite an unusual thing, um, and I find as a musician I get a bit distracted by that because I'm trying to figure it out and fit things into it. But when you extract the melody from it, the mm. melody is a very simple repeating pattern. <laughs> I mean, it's basically almost just a descending mm. sequence. It's a good example of if you're going to go out there with one thing, mm. make it really safe on the other. So if, if your harmony is going to be unusual, get a really safe melody that is just moving by step and, and keeping things simple. So that's good. Okay, well, I'll give you another musical one. Uh, in the verse, uh, it has that. It's based around the F chord 4 and A minor chord 6. And that's a really kind of haunting melody, I think. It helps to, you know, keep it um, a little bit rooted in something a little bit more deep and 
serious than if it was just F C would feel a bit more safe. I think mm. uh, it's the it's that progression of Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Yeah, so it is. And the melody uh, avoids the F entirely, um, note four, yeah. and it almost avoids the B. It's just got that <laughs> da 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 at one yeah. point. Um, so it's almost entirely pentatonic, and we talk about this. Uh, quite often that those pentatonic melodies just feel so solid yeah. and so singable and so timeless. Um, so I think the the verse works really well because of that pentatonic nature. I do find, I know we're getting onto criticism, but when I, when I teach it, yeah. because it's so often, that's easy. Yeah. It's the end bit where it goes. That's the bit that trips people up, is they're not expecting it to go sort of down at the end and land like that. But I think it does work, but it just takes a little bit more teaching. Yeah. Um, I'm going to hit. I'm going to go on the rhyme train. Um, all about all the, rhyme, the train. rhyme train, or not, as the case may be, because it turns out it doesn't really <laughs> rhyme. Um, but it does a sort of weird thing. <clears throat> it pretends to rhyme and never rhymes. <laughs> so if the if you um describe the words um Christ be in my waking as the sun is rising in my day of working with me every hour Christ be in my resting as the day is ending coming and refreshing watching through the night there's lots of ings but you can't actually rhyme the same mm. sound with itself so normally mm. if you're trying to do a rhyme there it'd be Christ be in my waking as the sun is flaking in the day of working with me as I'm Kadirking, shirking, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, that's where you put the rhyme, but it doesn't. So what it does is it has all these gerund endings, and just puts a different, <laughs> puts a different sound before them, which means it sort of gives the illusion of rhyming, but it yeah. doesn't rhyme. And then the th- the line, you know, lines four and eight would be the opportunity to rhyme, but they don't mm. rhyme either. Um, but it doesn't bother. So it's actually quite clever because what it means is it sort of gives by giving the illusion, it means you can use just about any word you want, which is yeah. much easier for lyric writing. So I might steal this idea. It's kind of like a rap thing, isn't it? That sort of thing of using. You're asking the you know, right not... person. <laughs> <laughs> There's a brilliant bit. The first verse of um, "Lose Yourself" by Eminem. We studied that in a songwriting class I took, mm. and um, I I led and. Uh, just the, just the, I mean, I know it's a bit sweary as it goes on, but if you just listen to the first verse, you'll, you'll get, you know, there won't be swearing. In it. But there's just, uh, the, the way that he uses rhyming that is so clever. And it's that idea of not perfect rhymes, but just making it work. And it sounds great. Mm. Uh, okay. Well, I want to focus in on the last uh, verse because, I mean, this is definitely a kind of whole life worship song. It really fits in with... The idea of you know every part of your life is worship to God, but also that idea of every emotion is is part of our life with God. So the third verse talks about gladness and and sorrow, but then in the fourth verse he really hones in in the beginning of the fourth verse in what is a really poetic description of depression. I think it says, "Christ, when hope has faded, mm. nothing left to cling to, every pleasure jaded." Every well is dry. And I just think that's... So, I don't know any mainstream worship song that is so explicit yeah. about that experience of just feeling, nah, it's all gone to heck in a handbasket. You know, it's it's just... There's nothing. That I can't I can't find pleasure. I can't find uh, any water in the well. I, I've got nothing left to cling to. 
And I do love that because I think for, for firstly, if someone comes into your church on a Sunday morning and they are feeling that, and you know, in a church of 100, 200 people, there's going to be someone that comes in feeling that mm. way on a Sunday morning. So to have their feelings kind of validated in that way that, you know, God is with you in the midst of that. But also I think it sort of shapes us so that, you know, I'm, I'm not a particularly downbeat person, but if I'm shaped by words like that that say, God is interested when I eventually have a moment of crisis or dryness or depression. This is the kind of thing that can go yeah. back. No, no, no. Christ is there. He's with you in that. Uh, I think that's just so important. I'm going to pick out one more thing, which is the use of the Christ be in my motif. Yeah. Because it's sort of delightfully ambiguous in a sense. We kind of know what it means, but if we're pressed on mm. it, we'd struggle to explain it. What does Christ be in my waking mean? <laughs> Well, you know, Christ being my... But if you said... Um, but but if you're pushed on it, it's very difficult to express. I, I don't know how, exactly yeah. how to describe how Christ is in my waking, in my day of working and in my resting and so on. Mm. But I know that I want him to be in it. Christ being my thinking, my understanding. It's actually... That ambiguity means you can name a load of stuff where if you were more yeah. specific with it, you might think, oh, am I saying the right thing about that? Is that a bit too nuanced? Yeah. Is that not quite right? And, and there's a lovely, it's either ambiguity or breadth to it. But I think in this case, it is it is ambiguity. It's a, it's a good example of that thing in poetry where you've got to use a poetic form because you cannot express it in more specific mm. terms. They're not there. Mm. And, but this really grabs mm. it. Um, have you got anything you want to improve? I think it's really difficult to improve. I... As I say, there are a couple of bits that can trip people up. The end of the verse, uh, you're right about the chorus. The the harmony is more difficult. Mm. So with a band, you need to work a little bit harder on, you know, can we play all these chords? Are we are we doing this, you know, descending yeah. chromatic bass line right? Um, but I think as a song, it's it's really strong, um, and. Yeah, we've used it in lots and lots of different contexts. It it can sound a little bit more classical if you want it to. It can sound more sort of contemporary if you want it to. It's it's got a lot of uh, yeah. flexibility. I, I th think I guess had Stuart and Simon brought it to me. I think maybe just that one note in the chorus. Da -da. Da, 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 ba, da, da. It's sort of a little bit out of the blue. Every other shape is. And if I'm not thinking about it, that's where I go. And I, and I think mm. that's one which I, re I reckon about 60% of the congregation jump up and the other 30% just go down. And it probably harmonises beautifully, but I, I suspect it happens. And I think possibly. I. I think there is probably a way of harmonising the chorus, which has just as much of a journey. You could do it with a bit of a circle of fifths or something, but mm. it just isn't quite... It, it moves along so quickly between one or two of the bits of harmony in it. Uh, and I think you could almost have made it just that little bit sweeter and the, and it would actually make the whole thing a little bit more memorable. Um, but it is picky, but that's, but that's maybe what I've said. Well, good job, Stuart and Simon. We love it. Yeah. Let's go to the 12th song challenge! 12th song challenge! It's time to review the challenge from September, which was Gap Songs in Threes. And I'm delighted that we are joined by Forum Dad, David Brackenbury. <laughs> Hello. Hey. Hello, Dad. How are you, Dad? Hey, son. <laughs> Can I borrow some money, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> That's how it works. Fantastic. You're going to be dead. Um, 
what a what a what a marvelous month. We we said well two things, didn't we? We said identify a gap and then write a song in three, four, six, eight, nine, eight, twelve, eight, fifteen, eight, if you have to. And um that is what you have all done. In a minute we're gonna we're gonna dig into some um more specifics about some of the songs. But I had I just thought I might just try drawing up a quick list of what the gaps were that we came up with. And it's pretty cool. So I'm <laughs> going to just read it really quickly. OK, this is what we had. The Sacrificial System, Asking Why, Three Songs on Baptism, Identity in Christ, Three on Sabbath Rest, Getting Out and Sharing Your Faith, Three of Those, Two on Pentecost, Tithing and Giving, An All Age Song on Discipleship, Addiction, Apathy, Voting, New Direction When the Vicar Arrives, The Persecuted Church, Greater Things to Come, Resting in God's Presence, Sharing the Peace, Gospel Hymn, Idolatry, Two Trinity Songs, Ruth, Post-Communion Meditations, Omniscience, Still Birth by Ian Sparks, which was an extraordinary one to take on. I don't know if you listened to that one, but that's, um, yeah. Um, specific Aspects of Creation, Separating the Waters, Asking for Forgiveness, Armour of God, God's Discipline, Coming to God in Filthy Rags, Parables, Hypocrisy, Wrath, Wild Prophetic Scripture, Bewilderment and Suffering, Fear, Welsh Language Songs, Unity, Trust When We Lost, Healing, written by a GP, which I quite like, Beatitudes, um, Three on Lament, um, I like, I'd love to say, one of them was Eric, um, who said, who prefaced his by saying, um, there are actually quite a lot of lament songs out there these days, but the problem is my church hasn't caught on to it. So the way to do it is for me to write one. I thought that's brilliant thinking. That's a, <laughs> such plan. an important local church songwriter way of thinking. And then he wrote a Radiohead song. Which is, <laughs> it's incredible. So if you haven't heard that, check that one out. Um, another key gap, Advent songs in German. Then Yeah, I'm always needing that. Yeah, Doubt, St. Patrick's Blessed... blessed <laughs> neither of us can say Blessed Prate. Breastplate. <laughs> We've already got that wrong once, David, in the show. Uh, Risk, which is not the game, I don't think. Gifts of the Spirit, um, which is by Amy, who actually said she initially did Fruits of the Spirit and then realised it was in four, so she had to write another one. <laughs> that is great. Uh, call to Worship, Work, uh, Songs Connect, Scattered Gathered, Online Worship, Incarnation, Loving Others, An Intelligible Take on Come Down Fount of Every Blessing, The Church, Casting Your Burdens, Heresy, big, big... Um, Props to Dan Lugo for that one, who also said that his wife pointed out that joke songs is also a gap. Um, <laughs> the Ascended Glorified Christ, Uncertainty, Confusion and Loss, Benediction, All Saints Day and Spiritual Warfare. How is wow. that for a set of wow. gaps? I mean, if Very you good. turn to the back of your Songs of Fellowship book and those were the, were the thematic categories. <laughs> Pretty cool, hey? Very cool. Yeah. So I also the, the fact that we gave an arbitrary thing of them being in three. I'm wondering what arbitrary things we can do in the future. So yeah, they all have to involve B flat somewhere in the song. The or... first word has to begin with H. Yeah, in every song, we could, couldn't we? Yeah. Maybe not this month. Maybe next month. You have to have five of the same rhyme in a row. <clears throat> Lovely. Like like when you're setting a password and it says you've got to have three lowercase, two uppercase. Exactly. Impossible. Impossible yeah. to ever remember. I think the I think the group would be up for it. <laughs> I think they would do it, wouldn't they? They, they just do anything we say now. So, they, so if they just to get the mug, they yeah, should say anything. <laughs> so, David, you've been taking a closer look at, at some of the songs, and I've mentioned one or two there. But do you want to um, maybe pick out one or two, and then we're going to have we'll we'll home in and listen to one as well. Yeah. So I think um, most months it's a challenge anyway because you're listening to how different people have taken on the theme, but. Um, this month hasn't been about comparing apples and pears. It's kind of been apples with motorbikes with guitars. It's just been like <laughs> <Yeah>. absolutely <laughs> crazy random and so, so, so good. But um, 
two that have jumped out and then one for us to listen to together. Um, so one that arrived fairly late on the month was from John Pocock. Um, and just a really honest testimony about what he's going through and what him and his family are going through at a time of transition and those questions and just setting that beautifully to to music. And it's one of those that even at the end of the month when often people are feeling a little bit uh, kind of foreign fatigue, um, so mm. many people have come in and commented on that and thanked him for that and asked if they can use that. So clearly he's not just hit a gap in terms of songs he struggled to find but has, has filled that with something really good. Um, one yeah, from, I th- I'd love to just say as well, actually, that we, you know, we really feel for John. Actually, he's you know honest about what's happening. So bless you, brother. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, one that was earlier in the month um, from Rob McClellan and looked at idolatry, um, and just a really good um, unpacking of that theme and um, a, a kind of full second version as well, which really took it further on based on the feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one that caught my attention earlier on in the month. But then the one that um, I've suggested we listen to today is because um, I think she kind of went around the challenge in the right way. So it's by Olwen Ringrose. Um, and so she kind of shared at the start of the mm-hmm. month that she went out to some of the leaders in her church and asked where they thought the gaps were. Um, they came back with giving. She wasn't sure whether it was Brilliant. serious or sarcastic, but she went with it um, and then brought an initial draft to <laughs> the um, kind of day uh, songwriting that United Adoration ran at the start of the month and has shaped it up through through that and through the month. Um, so yeah, just a, a, a really good song that um, addresses the area of giving. You love a cheerful giver, a generous heart, one who is unrestrained, bearing the gift with a purpose. Oh, good stuff, Owen. I like the word unpretentious in a song. Who doesn't? That's wiped out one of the future month's challenges, though, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> it has, unfortunately. Yeah, lovely. And it's really lovely because what it does is it, it draws you into the focus on God in the chorus, which is so good. It's about God being a generous God. That's a tough one to take on, isn't it? Tithing and giving. And I think that bit of the chorus was one of the key bits of outcome from the writing day. That, uh, that was fantastic. a suggestion. So it really kind of took that and um, added to the song. It's not good. It's not good. Um, have you been writing, David? I have. Um, I managed to get something out fairly early and it's usefully tied in with our current um, autumn series on mission at church. So it's um, 
started to feature there already, which is that's really cool. Helpful. We had a little um, joking exchange on Facebook where I said someone had put up some kind of song or sung it at his church, and I said, "You win the prize." And then David suddenly got competitive. And then I realised that actually, I, I, I mean, I can't imagine how many of the songs out of this 12-song challenge have been featured at your church. Probably more at your church than any church in the world, I'm going to guess. Because you don't even just do yours. You do other people's as well. It's true. You must it's... love it. Every week they turn up and you're like, I've got another one. They're not going to know what's hit them when I'm playing them the September songs. <laughs> Especially the one in Welsh. All of them at once. Go on then. Give us a, give us a verse and chorus. That's really great. All about mission. I can't help myself. I've just got one little tweak I want to make. We said before this, let's not hang around. There's, two, there's all of us here. Let's just play a bit. Let's not do all that critiquing that. But just like one little tweak. It's the second line. How will they know if we don't go? Instead of telling the good news high. What about telling good news high and low? Which would be more natural phrasing. And it would be the same rhythm then as your other lines. Okay. Sam. <laughs> Yes. What's your gap? Um, so my gap is Sabbath. I went and crowdsourced from the uh, Facebook group and got a load of good suggestions, but I chose Sabbath. Uh, there were there were uh, three people who did Sabbath songs. <laughs> not to say that you're not original or anything, but I'm so disappointed that someone didn't say, I chose Sabbath, so I just had a rest. I haven't read anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I felt like doing. Okay, I've had loads of good feedback, by the way. Thank you to everyone who's, who's fed back. Um, Till we find our rest in you We are busy yet unsatisfied So teach us God the rhythm of the six and one The blessed, oh hello, blessed Sabbath holy joy To stop, be still, and wait on you. 
rest and to Ah, can't play. To live with trust and gratitude, a day each week, a way of life. <laughs> That's lovely. Sorry, I managed to completely bodge that up. Anyway, that's very you nice, get the idea. Sam. Oh, it makes me just want to have it. It's like a lullaby. Have a little sleep. Oh, and a little sleep. <laughs> a little cuddle up with someone special. Oh, well, <laughs> you're offering. I've got a. Uh, Your my Sabbath son, theology is slightly different to mine. My, my five year old son um, has got it into his head that I really. No, well, listen, no, I shouldn't put it this way. I, I made a comment. He has this big Sully teddy. Um, which he had from his collection of teddies. He had his own one that he takes to bed. But I said I liked his Sully one, which is a great big Monsters Inc. one. So now regularly I come to bed and I find it sitting there waiting for me on my pillow, or he'll just suddenly turn up in the night with it for me. Dad, you haven't got Sully. But the truth is, I've learnt, I found it's really nice to go to sleep cuddling Sully. <laughs> so anyway, lovely. Yeah, it's a lovely song. Um, mm. There was one little bit, wasn't there, where you had you had this really sort of stretched out Sabbath, holy joy, and you just fixed it in the most simple way by putting that blessed in at the end of line four. Yeah, just switching around. Yes, I think that was someone's suggestion on the forum. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Mm. I, I, I've learned in writing this that Sabbath doesn't sing very well. <laughs> Unless you're a sheep. It's not a very singable word. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> So I cheated and I got Matt Weeks to write a tune and then I wanted to write some words. The nice thing was I wanted to write a song about the church because last week I was leading worship for church and I wanted to finish with a song about the church and I couldn't think of one. And um, so I thought, well, there's my gap. And then I said, Matt, I don't suppose you've got a tune. And he'd written a slightly kind of hymny, town indie, getty kind of tune. So I thought, yeah, let's have a go. So this is what we came up with. I'll do a couple of verses. Oh, church of Christ, wake from your sleep. Feel the treasures that you keep Sing out your song of love divine And let the gospel glory shine Oh precious bride of Christ arise Unveil the beauty of that Unveil the beauty that you hide the light of Jesus' face in lives of mercy, truth, and grace. Let's do verse 2. Oh, Church of Christ, give up your strife. You preach instead of sacrifice. Let all your needless quarrels cease. And here again, to peace O oh, temple built on Christ alone become like him your cornerstone and live the story that you sing so all the world can see your king fantastic very good friends September ticked. Very good. 
when you choose to write Let's with see. Matt Weeks, is that because when you appear alphabetically, he's the only resound writer who appears after you? you yes. <laughs> yeah, in a kind of Lennon and McCartney way. Is that right? Does that work? Lennon and McCartney? Yeah, Pain and Weeks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's true. I think yeah. I am bound to steal the glory if I do that. And your your gap was was um, church unity. Well, it was, was the it? church, really. It was just like the church. And then I thought I'm going to start writing about the church. And I and then it became a bit more, come on, church, pull yourself together, kind of message. Yeah. So it goes through into the. It's a sort of come on, wake up. You know, you're you've got this mm. treasure. You've got this gospel. You've got this glory and beauty, mm. and let the world see mm. it and stop squabbling and so on. Mm. Yeah. My one thing, I know we're not supposed to be saying things. Oh, we've run out of time for that, so we'll move on to... (laughs) Go on, go on, quick, quick. No, I want it, I want it. Yeah, I think there are loads of things. I think the the alone cornerstone feels like a bit of a done done rhyme. What are you suggesting? That there's a famous song (laughs) with that rhyme in it? (laughs) This will become more popular. And it sounds like become... Yeah. Become like... It's, it sounds like you're going to become like a cornerstone. Yeah, I don't, no, I hear really you. Make sense. I'm with you. I kind of feel a bit like it's sort of it. it there's about six sections in it, and they could move around and be a different bit. I'm quite, quite disturbed. Yeah. It. But good fun. I love yeah, writing with Matt because he'll he'll happily hand over a tune. Um, should we have the star of the month? So every month we like to choose somebody who has been particularly active on the forum and uh, particularly helpful to everybody else. And who have you chosen this month, David? As always, it's a really tough choice, but um, I think it's possibly his first month on the forum and he's made made a really big impact with some generous comments and encouragement and an excellent song, and that is um, Mr. James Martin. Woohoo! Star! Yeah! <laughs> you still not done the jingle? Oh, no, the jingle. I forgot about that. Look, didn't we ask the listeners? When you started saying that, like, this has been a really hard decision, it made me think of Bake Off, and I wonder if we should start kicking someone <laughs> up every month as well. Yes. Wow. So, you know, you've got your star songwriter, and then, and then I you've say, got your, you know, sorry. Oh, and the really awful job falls to me <laughs> to say who's going home. <laughs> but this week it has to be Sam Hargreaves. <laughs> we could do it for the last few months just out of us, because then there'd just be one of us left. Brilliant. Yeah, oh, tell you who's not here this month. We can kick off. Sorry, Coco. Brilliant. Let's move on to the October challenge. Our theme for October is a big one. We're going to tackle the issue of mental health. So this is an increasingly prominent topic in our culture. Uh, we have a growing awareness that mental health is an issue, positive and negative, that impacts all of us, but also still something full of misconceptions and stigma. And uh, according to Mind, the charity, one in four people in the UK will experience mental health issues in any given year. So clearly it's massive and it affects our lives, it affects how we worship and therefore it affects what we sing. So we are going to have a go at writing songs. We are also very lucky to have David with us who by day when he takes off his songwriting cape is a clinical psychologist for the NHS but before we chat to David um, I have the privilege of catching up with Professor John Swinton from the Centre for Spirituality Health and Disability at Aberdeen University. Well I'm delighted to welcome John Swinton to the podcast. Uh, John maybe we could start you could just tell us a little bit about yourself um, and what work you're involved in. Yeah of course. Uh, 
My, uh, I, I work as a professor in practical theology at Aberdeen University. I've been there for 22 years now, but my background's in uh, nursing. I worked in mental health nursing for a number of years and then worked in intellectual disability nursing. And then I worked in chaplaincy for a while and I'm an ordained minister in the Church of Scotland. And I ended up in, in, uh, in uh, academia. Uh, which I really like. But my job in life at Demon now is to teach practical theology. And my, the areas I'm interested in are, surprise, surprise, mental health and disability. So I, I really spend my life thinking about earlier parts of my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds like you've, you've done an awful lot in your life already. And I understand you've also done a bit of songwriting in your life too. I, well, for most of my uh, early life, I wanted to be a rock and roll star. So I played in bands for years and years. And uh, we did quite well over the years, but it never quite ma- uh, worked itself out. So I ended up in, uh, but it's quite funny. So I ended up in academia, um, but now I, I write worship songs, I lead worship songs. And it's kind of funny because all these years when I was thinking or trying to be a rock and roll star, it turns out that God wanted me to be a, a worship leader. Uh-huh. And so all the skills that I learned, you know, as a, as a jobbing musician, now become really, really helpful when I, I write worship and lead worship and participate in worship. So yeah, it all holds together. I want to say, don't give up the dream. It's never too I, late. I haven't. <laughs> um, so as you know, we're we're focusing on on mental health as our theme for worship songwriting this month, and I've yeah. got various things I'd love to ask you about it. I, I thought maybe we should start just with a bit of maybe a bit of disambag. I can't say it. Disambiguation and so on, just to, to kind of focus. It. What what do we mean when we say mental health? And and I I suppose one of the questions I have is perhaps we. We often say mental health but mean mental illness and maybe it's a much broader topic than that. It is a broader topic than that and you know if you think about it the, the Bible doesn't really have a model for, uh, a word for health in the way that we think about it just now as the absence of illness in that sense. So it does have it does talk about uh, shalom and shalom at heart means right relationship, justice, righteousness, holiness. So a biblical understanding of health really is not the absence of illness or symptoms but the presence of God. And so when you think about it in that way, in relation to, for example, uh, enduring mental health challenges, it means that even though you're always perhaps going to be experiencing your symptoms, your experiences, your unusual experiences, you can still be healthy because you're always in, in relationship with God. And so the task of the church is to help people to stay in relationship with God, even in the midst of the difficulties they encounter. So I think if we think about mental health that way, it's a much more open concept. We're moving towards life in all of its fullness in every situation, not just uh, for those of us who consider ourselves to be mentally healthy. Yeah, that's great. Um, we've talked about the church. Um, I know the questions like this can be quite hard to answer just in a broad, generalising brushstrokes. But what do you see perhaps as some of the, the successes in the church when it comes to mental health and perhaps some of the areas for improvement and growth? And I think the, the, well, the church is complicated to know what the church is because there's so many different types and forms and some are good and some are bad in, in relation to mental health issues. But I think, for example, the Church of England seemed to have mental health on their agenda just now. So last year, I think it was last year, they had a big uh, mental conference on mental health in uh, uh, Lambeth Palace. And that raised the, conce- the concept and the, the ideas for a, a broad range of people. And their disability advisors are very tuned into that. So denominations, certain denominations are really working hard towards the uh, uh, bringing it onto central point and that's going to be really important post-covid when we have a lot more mental health challenges emerging than before 
Um, everybody needs to learn. And one of the problems that, that people encounter is obviously stigma. You know, when, when you're reduced to the size of your diagnosis, all sorts of horrible things happen. Uh, and churches can be prone to that. They can be prone to just trying to explain things in easy and quick ways, like, oh, it must be a sin you've submitted, or it must be the, a demon, or if you pray a little harder, then it will go away or don't take medication because you should be prayerful. All these things are really unhelpful. And actually, as a theologian, pretty inaccurate as to in relation to what mental health uh, challenges are and how we should respond uh, spiritually. So there's, there's an ambiguity. There's some good things happening, but some there's, there's a lot of work to be done, put it that way. So one of the big challenges, perhaps, of the church is, is that thing of the what we might call the spiritual or what we might call the physical and then I imagine mental health kind of sits somewhere in amongst all of that. Yeah, I think it does. And I think that that, that separation of spiritual from the material is probably not a helpful way to, to think about it, particularly if we believe that um, the Holy Spirit indwells our material bodies. It, it, there's something, you know, that separation just isn't helpful. And this, it's similarly for mental health issues, they don't go on just in your mind. There's something that affects the whole of your person, the whole of your body, the whole of your community. So they're, they're, they're kind of things that happen to you uh, uh, as a person, not just as somebody who has an illness in that way. So breaking down that dualism and then open up space to just look at the experience and the person, then that, that's the beginning point for healing, I think. Mm. What about worship then? How does mental health, in a in a sort of broad sense, how does it impact our our worship? What sort of things might there's lots of worship leaders involved listening to this this podcast? Before we focus on songs, just uh, what sort of things should we be having in mind as we plan and lead worship? Yeah, well, the first thing I would say is that worship is always something that we do together, right? So. Sometimes you, we, you know, if, you, if you speak to people in relation to worship, it's, it's all about me. And a lot of songs are all about me. Well, not about me. Hopefully, <laughs> 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 yourself. And actually, if we take seriously the idea of the body of Christ, then our worship is something we do together something that's for all of us. And within the body of Christ, there's a wide range of experiences, of emotions, of feelings, of things that people are going through. And if we only worship, uh, focus our worship on those lucky few people who are feeling happy at that moment in time, then we actually don't do justice to the body of Christ. So thinking across the experiences of the Christian community and speaking and worshipping into them and even worshipping into the sadness and the brokenness, I think is profoundly important. Hmm. Do you think that the models of worship that we have allow for for that? Or sometimes I wonder if they, I think particularly of the, what's quite prevalent in the more kind of contemporary charismatic church, which is sing a lot of songs with quite a lot of intensity, have a sermon, have some prayer and so on. It's It's quite a narrow model, isn't it? And do you think maybe we need to think about the whole liturgy, the whole structure of worship, as well as sort of individual moments. I do. I think we have to, I think that, you know, there's also the, the fact that sometimes we, we think about worship primarily in terms of music and actually worship is the whole thing that goes on in your sanctuary. And my, my general sense is that uh, worship's music 
needs to encourage us. Of course it does. But you have to bear in mind that as you are encouraged, other people may be deeply discouraged because as you feel happiness and joy, other people may be encountering all sorts of different things. So holding on to that tension and helping us to worship together, but at the same time to recognize the, the broad uh, range of experiences. Likewise, when we're preaching, you know, we, uh, as I went to a church in, and I spoke at a church in Vancouver last year and they have a preaching team. Uh, and before anybody can preach, they have to um, they have to preach it to a small group of people who then give feedback on it. Wow. And I'm thinking, wouldn't it be fascinating to do something like that, but also to have uh, someone or people with mental health challenges in there, seeing how you interpret passages, because very often we interpret them as if uh, we we all should be feeling in a particular way, whereas if you're deeply depressed or if you've gone through that or had the experience of schizophrenia for example then the things that we preach are rich are enriched and deepened by bringing these perspectives because you'll find surprising things so in terms of liturgy in terms of uh, worship music in terms of community bringing in these different voices uh, helps us really to be the body of christ I'm fascinated by that, and this may be the point at which one or two listeners switch off for a moment. But I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm really interested in the contextual theology aspect of that. That there's a, there, there are ways of reading scripture from so many different angles and directions, aren't there? And some of them are well known, black theology and and, and so on. Is there, is there a sort of a, is is there a theological field which kind of which you could name around reading from this angle? Yeah, so it, it would sit within what's described as disability theology. And, and there's no need for Henry to switch off because actually it, it's very straightforward yeah. and it, it fits in with. Because what um, disability theologians have noticed is that over time, the perspectives of some human beings within the body of Jesus have been ignored in the way that we think about our theology, which, you know, if, if you have a profound intellectual disability uh, and a theology that says you've got to know this and know that, know that, like makes it very difficult. So certain perspectives, certain questions have not been asked of the tradition. Um, what does it mean to love Jesus when you have advanced dementia, for example? And that opens up all sorts of really interesting and important spaces for all of us, because we all we may encounter that at some point. So what that kind of theology does, it brings a, a different set of questions, not the set of questions that academics in university offices bring, important as these are, but ones that are brought by people who experience the world differently. And it just enriches our theology. It doesn't change the centrality of Jesus or the, or the wonders of salvation, but it enriches the way that we understand one another, understand what it means to be human, and ultimately understands what it means to be human before God. So if our listeners wanted to you know, go out there now, quickly jump, you know, order a book, read something, is there, where, where would you start people off if they wanted to dig a little bit into disability theology? Well, I would, it depends on whether they, they're interested in, if they were interested in theology, there's a book called Disability in the Christian Tradition, which is edited by um, my colleague, Brian Brock. Uh, and it looks at the way um, which theologians down through history have really explored disability from the beginning of the church right to now. And some of the ways that we think now are, have been thought about before, but thought about quite differently. So that, that's a good place to begin for people who are really engaging in, in theology as such. For a more kind of uh, popular way of thinking about 
there's a, there's a whole range of, of books. Uh, when I say popular, I, I don't mean I, I, that, that derogatory. I just mean something that you might not want to spend hours and hours wandering through. So there's a, there's a number of different books. There's an, uh, um, uh, an American scholar called uh, uh, Ben Connor who has a very interesting book called Amplifying the Witness. And it's looking at disability in the context of youth ministry in particular. Oh. And, and, and it's, it's, he comes up, and Christian Mission, and he comes up with some really interesting ideas. He's got a few books out. He's got a new book out that I can't remember, but he's a, he's a guy to look at. Okay, thank you. So let's think about songs. Uh, uh, yes. We're challenging people to write songs this month. And I guess there's a lot we could hold in mind. And, and as you'll know, as a songwriter as well, there are, there are all sorts of ways you can approach different themes and, and so on. Yeah. I guess maybe the place to start is a sort of what are the songs that you're crying out for in the church that you would love to the things you'd love us to be singing? Well, firstly, I think uh, uh, returning to the Lamentations is important. And so there's more lament, lament psalms in the book of Psalms than any other psalm. So God gives us a language to articulate our sadness, our brokenness, but always in the, in the context of prayer. And so the way that the lament psalms go is that you get this big explosion of anxiety and pain and outrage, you know, that you feel like God has betrayed them in some sense, they're not stuck to the covenant. And then right in the middle, there's something changes. Most of the lament psalms, not all lament psalms, uh, and the, the psalmist discovers God's unchanging love, mm. God's said, And then he goes on to worship. Now, nothing has changed in terms of the suffering. He just looks at it differently because he sees. He doesn't escape from it. So it's not like, you know, we say, yes, I know the world is terrible, but really God is great. That's not what he, what he does, although ultimately that's what he dis discovers. So he, the, the, the psalms will then take very seriously the human condition and the suffering in there. Likewise, the, the psalms of imprecation, you know, these, these violent psalms are, 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 are very difficult for us to, to, to take on board full stop. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, Lord smash the Babylonian baby's heads off the mm. rock. It's not the things we raise our hands to and worship normally and say hallelujah. Mm. But there's something important about that. And one thing that you can do with the implications psalms is turn them against yourself. Because very often there is for betrayal within the, 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 the Jewish community that they're talking about. But instead of just discarding, I mean, but think about it. What about what if the psalmist is talking to you? What if a group of Christians somewhere in the world are actually talking to you? You know, something like I mean, uh, the the level of um, uh, oppression uh, towards Christians across the world is at a frighteningly high rate, and mm. most of us don't even talk about it. Many of us don't even know about it. What if it is that our brothers and sisters feel betrayed by us and by our own political naivety about what's going on within the body of Christ? What happens if they speak back? And it says, and you can do that with it, with any passage, like because we always think the enemy is somebody else, but it's yeah. something very often. The second thing I think would be interesting is, is honest testimony. You know, one of the things that Jesus does very well, obviously, like everything that Jesus does, he does very well, but he, he talks through stories and testimony. John's gospel is particularly good. It's all about testimony. And testimony is you stand up and you witness to the world for what you think you saw. It's like a, it's a metaphor from court, really. But the idea of, of honest testimony, telling this, your story through song is important. And that doesn't mean necessarily, and this is important, I think, for mental health, it doesn't mean necessarily resolving it. Because one of the things about 
testimony of a certain kind is that it's always triumphant, triumphant rather. Yeah. Uh, uh, and there's always, a, but sometimes it's like, you know, uh, the end of Psalm 88, darkness is my only companion. Um, now, you might say, you could say, some people might say, well, no, you really shouldn't be dwelling on that kind of thing. And that, that, that's completely understandable. Except that when you look at the Old and the New Testament, that sense of darkness and abandonment is part of our tradition. The psalmist experiences, Jesus on the cross experiences that sense of abandonment. And we, we see even then that he feels God has abandoned them. And yet Jesus is still with us. Mm. So there's that so there's that sense of darkness that runs through a tradition that we are we're wary of, but actually maybe we should get ourselves used to. Maybe we should shape and form ourselves in the practices of of recognizing the power of abandonment, so that when we encounter people in deep depression or people who are struggling, it's not alien to the Christian tradition. We're not running around saying, oh, it must be the devil, it must be the devil. It's actually part of the Christian tradition and something that Jesus himself has lived into in that way. So that's, uh, that's a, in a sense, saying, kind of dig into the regular language of, of worship and let and, and change that rather than, I mean, that's there are different approaches. One is to say, I'm going to write a song about depression. And I, I mean, it's quite tough, but you could go for that. But also you could say, let's just, let's expose this theme throughout our worship and our theology and our, and our language. Yeah. And so you destigmatize it in that sense. And I don't mean that in a medical, I, yeah. so you just take away certain aspects of it that mean that, uh, which means that all of us as Christians share in a tradition that includes your experience. Hmm. So you might, for example, you, you write this song about Jesus on the cross feeling abandoned by God and you don't have to labour the point of trying to then join the dots up to a up to today's contemporary experience necessarily. It could be just let's just sing about that because that's going to put us in a much better place to then consider the issues in our own lives. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. I tell you what, one of the two of the, the the bits about this that make me nervous as a songwriter, and I think um, one of them is the the danger of. Um, turning someone or something into the other so you sort of describe you end up singing about something that's not you as if it's someone else the poor we say sometimes or the blind or the mentally ill or, or so on and there's a sort of that there's one very separated perspective and the other thing that makes me nervous is trying to come in and actually speak from a perspective that I don't really understand and and feel you know, so for example, the last few months, the Black Lives Matter movement, I think it has has shown a lot of us, um, you, you know, let people, let the people who understand this speak, and and give some space for that. And so there's always this sort of that that kind of tension of those those two pitfalls that there could be. Do you have any advice for that? Yeah, well, yeah, the um, I mean, one way. The, you don't have to write a, a song about depression to capture the experience of depression. And likewise, you don't have to write a song about schizophrenia to, you know, it doesn't have to have a chorus like the same schizophrenia is like this. But you can capture the emotions and the experience. And one way that you can do that is by either by partnering with somebody who has gone through that, that experience. And when I say partnering, I don't necessarily 
mean simply songwriting partner, but just engaging conversations with people as part of the, the, the kind of pulling together your ideas and thoughts, run the song past people who, whose experience, who own that experience and see what kind of uh, responses you, you get from that. And that way you don't have the problem of representation, for example, that you're trying to represent one group of people. So, you know, Black Lives Matter, you could argue, how could a white person represent a black person? You, you avoid that because you're really entering into a conversation and out of that conversation comes the song or the political movement or whatever it is that it is. Um, and I think that's that's the way to do it. So all songwriting is creative and imaginative projection onto music of some experience and feeling. Um, but uh, you don't necessarily have to have that experience, but you do have to have a sense of what it is you're empathizing about, what you're imagining, because your imagination can take you to all sorts of places. Mm. Do you have... A, a go a sort of checklist of go to Bible passages. Are there some particular places you could send send us as songwriters that you think go and read this, go and read that. That's going to be a it's going to be a good rich mine of um, of resources for you. No, but the only place I would say is to go to the Psalms. I do think that the Psalms are designed to do the kind of things that contemporary worship does. But the thing about the Psalms is, there's a thick there about the, the, the language and the theology. So the, the, the contemporary worship shops can, songs can be quite thin and they can be just helpful but not necessarily deep. Um, whereas the Psalms are helpful but also very deep. You know, they're poetic, they're narrative, they're all sorts of things. And I think that the, the structures of the Psalms and the, the language of the Psalms is a good place to go. Uh, I mean, the gospel is full of imagery and poetry and possibilities. Um, and you, so there's lots that you're never going to be sh short of a songwriting imagination if you spent uh, a month with the gospel. So that in itself is going to be perfect. But the Psalms are songs. They're meant to do the things that worship leaders do. So spending time there, I think, is, is, is a yeah. beginning point for change. Thank you, John. I, I certainly found the, those occasions when we've taken on what we see as a more difficult theme in these challenges that songwriting is a wonderful way in itself to process and to learn and to grapple with something even if the thing that you write at the end just stays with you and, and no one else I think it's really good so I, I'm really hopeful about this this month we're, we're we're keen to have a go at taking it on we're really um, grateful for your wisdom and your input so thank you very much a great pleasure thank you for the invitation Oh, that was awesome, awesome, wasn't it? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Really good. I loved really it. Really lovely. I loved it. I loved his voice. I would just happily listen to him read his <laughs> phone an book. Amazing voice. <laughs> Can we get him to like record the Psalms for us or something? Maybe we could get him to do the Star of the Month jingle. Us. Yeah, that'd be. It'd be really disappointing nice. if that's all that came was... out of this interview, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I loved that. I thought that was real. I loved. I loved him being a uh, a wannabe rock yeah. star as well. Hmm. I just and I, I like the way you said don't don't give up your dreams. I think that's, yeah. you know it's never too late, is it? At least that's what I'm hoping. Um, yeah, no, I thought that was brilliant. I, I there's really um, and and some simple solutions in terms of you know turning to the Psalms, turning you know to the Bible. To I thought it was really helpful. Um, I think for me, um, 
just kind of outing some of those um, easy explanations that the church sometimes offer. Oh, you just need to pray more, you just need to have faith, or there's some kind of sin that you're holding on to. And those have been really um, difficult and harmful messages for, for so many people to hear when they're already in a position of vulnerability um, and kind of being sensitive in our, in our pastoral care, but also in our songwriting about how we address those topics. And I think that encouragement uh, towards the end of the interview, not, not needing to find a resolve, not needing to find a neat ending to this. Um, life is messy for, for many of us and uh, for many people at any one time and not needing a song to resolve neatly so we can go on and get on with our lives I think is really powerful because there are people who we mm. need to sit within that distress and that despair for, for quite a while. Um, so I, I heard somewhere that the word psyche, at least some translations are, are, are the word soul. So the idea of psychology is sort of the care of souls, the care of our sort of inner life. Mm. And I just feel like as the church, we've we've missed an opportunity. You know, people in the world wanting to care about the inner life of the person, but we've lost that somehow. And we've made Christianity all about behaviour or about believing a certain list of things rather than saying, actually, this is about caring for our inner person. Yeah. Do you see that, David, in your work? Yeah, I think... Um, I... <laughs> I think the risk is, and, and it's one of the things that John talked about, how we can split off the different elements of ourselves, the kind of the physical and the, mm. and the emotional and the kind of spiritual. Um, and ultimately, if any of those are in kind of conflict with each other, that creates in, its, in itself distress. So I think if people yeah. are um, kind of feeling unheard or, or not understood, um, whether that's through the church or through services that are helping them, um, it's yeah. only going to kind of deepen that position. And I think you're right. I think um, without that sophisticated understanding of what it means to experience uh, mental health difficulties, of what it means to be in that emotional distress, sometimes we, mm. get, we get the words wrong, sometimes really well-meaning, and sometimes um, mm. just by being um, kind of misguided or misinformed, really. Uh, so, so I think, yeah, at its broadest sense, pastoral care and pastoral support should absolutely be supporting people with their um, experience of mental health. Hmm. Hmm. Well, we've got um, a couple of websites that, that John recommended to me after I, I spoke to him, which is which are worth looking at. And we'll put links to these on the on the podcast page on our our website, which is Sanctuary Ministries, which is uh, based in Vancouver, but also apparently about to um, start something up in the UK, and uh, Mind and Soul Foundation. And then he also mentioned those those two books, didn't he, as well, which we'll, we'll put links to as well. And those are two places I've had a little look, which are just packed with resources. So mm. I think as we approach this, I think we all need maybe with the exception of David, who knows what he's talking about, we all need to actually <laughs> dig into this a bit and try and wrap our heads around it and can't really approach it from a sort of position of humility and say, okay, we, we need to learn as well as write. You know, we did this with doxology, didn't we? We said a similar thing. Like, we, you know, we don't, mm. we've got a kind of popular understanding, but we don't, um, yeah, we don't, um, we don't necessarily have hold of it all. So that, I think that's a great place to start. But then, mm. as usual, we kind of expect you to do your thing when you write on it. So that's fantastic. But yeah. we're going to throw out nine brief <clears throat> nine directions you could go ideas that we think could be helpful to get you started so um, Sam kick us off yeah the first thing is just around being honest in our songs so I think we've all experienced worship or or, or songs that are kind of triumphalistic uh, that act as if everything is okay um, and the truth is you know Jesus has come but 
he's not yet come the second time. He's not yet come and made the world right. And therefore, we're living in this in-between time where, yes, there is some degree of victory. Yes, that we are filled with the Spirit. Yes, we are born again. But we're also, you know, all in mm. in process, aren't we? We're all, um, my, my friend likes to say, we're all in recovery. And I think that's so true. And God, you can see in the Psalms that God is really prepared for us to come and be honest. We're, my family, we're reading through the Psalms one and morning. And there's such a range of honest you know, to to the point I f- sometimes feel quite awkward reading them with the kids because I'm like, oh, gosh, they're saying that, you know, but there's just such an honesty. Whereas in church and in worship, sometimes we can just act as if everything's OK and then it's not all right to have problems. So I just say writing songs that have a, a degree of honesty in how they, ex- you know, express our different emotions that we feel. And also that God is there in the midst of that, uh, that God is. God is not to be found when we're sorted emotionally and mentally. God can be found in the midst of our of our struggles. And we see that again and again in the Bible. And, you know, it's it's how we um, connect with God in those difficult times that can actually be the turning point. So, yes, yeah, just sort of songs around that kind of honest yeah. and expression. And it doesn't have to be fabricated honesty, does it? That's the thing. Just don't, mm. don't write songs that you feel like you need that that paint some other picture just be, you know um, john used the word testimony didn't he honest testimony be honest yeah. you know that's yeah. um i, I th- the, the thing he said really early on about this biblical idea of shalom was really helpful that in the bible it doesn't see health as an absence of illness it's a presence of shalom it's a health is a mm. positive thing not a lack of negative and that mm. It's a wonderful concept, Shalom, because it's so much richer than any words we've got in English, I think. We need about 10 different words mm. thrown in there. Wholeness, mm. fullness, completeness, health, and all these kind of things. And so I just thought that's a really s- simple way to approach it, is to say, look, I'm not going to try and name mental health issues in my song, but I think it'd be great for us to sing about this biblical I- idea of what wholeness is. And if, let's think about that. That puts us in a much better place and frame of mind with which to then think about other things. Yeah. Yeah, and then another one that we've talked about as we were thinking of this month is um, we've we've talked about what the experience of people who are inside the walls of the church in terms of uh, mental health and how the churches care for them and support them. But what I've seen in my career is um, as gradually services have reduced, um, church has become a a place where people with mental health difficulties congregate, uh, where they would normally have kind of support in the community. And what is our message of hope to those people? There's already, as Sam's talked about, so many different bars and barriers that they might think they need to overcome. What is the church's message of hope about Jesus who meets you in in your suffering, in your sadness, in your humanity? Um, And what messages should we be um, singing out for those who find themselves inside our walls but wouldn't consider themselves part Mm. of the church? Great. Following on from that is, is point four, which is songs about the diversity of the body of Christ. So Paul has this brilliant image, doesn't he, of one body in many parts, and we're all really different. And some parts are treated with special honour and some parts are treated with, um, you know, more care and more modesty. And so, yeah, songs that describe how the fact that we're all different and we're all coming with different needs on a Sunday morning. Some of us are coming on top of the world. Some of us have had a terrible week. And I do feel like, you know, just on a, on a really basic level, just the acknowledgement that, you know, some of us are feeling great this morning, some of us aren't, and we're all welcome. That's a, a really simple but um, 
welcoming statement to those who are struggling. I, I know people who were part of a church that I was previously at. And I said, oh, I haven't seen you for a few weeks. And they said, yeah, I've, I've been struggling. So, you know, I, I don't feel I can really go to church at the moment. You just think, yeah. gosh, when you're struggling, that's the place that you should feel yeah. most welcome. And it doesn't have to be super pointed and explicit whole verse about people who are struggling. No. It's just just a line amongst no. the other lines and the things that you say. It's just almost it's just enough to say, yes, yeah, that's, that's part of us too. That's us. That's who we are. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And even that invitation as we actually set up that time of corporate worship to to be who you mm. need to be in that moment. If you want to stand with your hands raised, then do that. If you want to sit in quiet reflection, exactly. it's just that that making it real, destigmatizing it, yeah. just making it part of our, mm. our experience of community. Um, okay, so area five is what we've called holistic songs, songs that try not to kind of separate the physical and the spiritual or the physical and the emotional. Um there are, as, as John reminded us, significant um, additional elements to people who experience mental health difficulties. So, for example, people with severe mental illness have a much less, um, much shorter life expectancy than those who don't experience those difficulties through life. So mental health mm. and, and the things that are associated with it have a significant effect on our physical. Um, and again, seeing those people as... Uh, as an entire package, um, not seeking to split any parts of that off. And as we meet the spiritual needs, sometimes that will be meeting some of the practical and the physical needs. How do we capture that in our in our songs that doesn't just yeah have it entirely about this one thing we're focusing on, but sees that as part of the of the person and their experience? Mm. It made me think mm. of the importance of incarnational theology and uh, and incarnation in in songs. That's you know that's the truest mm. way we know that the that the spiritual and the physical are at home together and, and all part of the same mm. thing is, is Christ, the incarnate mm. Christ, who's, who's remained incarnate, who's experienced all of our emotions and yeah. our feet and our physical feelings and all these, all these other things. And that, that takes us to, to number six, which is and one of the things that John said really powerfully. I thought that dark, he, he said darkness and abandonment are in the foundations of our, of our story. In the foundations of our, in our foundational mm. narrative, is darkness and abandonment, and that's throughout mm. the Bible, and that's really important, isn't it? Christ on the cross experiences darkness mm. and abandonment, and those are, are mm. words which resonate um, with, with lots of people who've experienced mm. any anything kind of verging on on depression or other things like that. And um, there are stories you can tell, and and I think actually, I think going specifically on this thing of Christ on the cross is the absolute core of our faith. And within that, he says, God, where are are you? I mean, goodness, let's, so let's just sing that because that's, it's just so powerful. Mm. Keep, retell those parts of the narrative, retell those parts of the Old Testament, the wandering, the lostness, um, and all those kind of things, the tears, retell them as part of the narrative, which is Mm. our salvation story. Really important. Yeah, mm. preach it. Yeah, and and you know, related to that is the, the also the smaller stories, isn't it? So you can think of particular Bible characters. You know, think about Paul, and he talks yeah. about his thorn in the flesh and his weakness and his struggle. And or um, I was thinking about Elijah. And I love the story after that showdown on Mount Carmel, where you know he thinks he's on the top of the world, and then actually they say, well, even though you know God came and you know started that fire, and the prophets of Baal didn't actually, we're still going to yeah. try and kill you, Elijah. We still don't believe in your God. And he runs away and he is li- he's so depressed. And 
he sleeps and then an angel wakes him up and cooks him food and feeds him. Mm. I just love that, that this angel goes, right, what you really need is a good meal. <laughs> and so he feeds, <laughs> he feeds, you know, and he's a whole person. He needs a decent meal. He lets him sleep again and then he wakes him up. He gives him another meal and then he sends him off, you know, and there's a sense of God caring for the whole of Elijah. And, you know, I don't suppose we'll write a hundred songs on Elijah, but finding other stories in the Bible where people experience, you know, various different emotions or various different mental states, and then letting that be a sort of a jump off point to write a song. You know, I love to try and write songs from a narrative and, and try and inhabit the narrative and be part of it. And I think there are a lot of songs out there which talk about struggle. You know, if you did a word search on um, CCLI Top 100, you'd find struggle and storm and other things. But quite often the it goes like this i'm in a struggle i'm in a storm but i believe you will see me through you are my anchor you are my rock and, and that sort of thing and they they essentially become here is my powerful statement of faith i mean it's it, it's a it's a kind of it's the power of the the spoken word isn't it almost it's um mm. whereas actually you can do that and that is one thing but another thing is to say what i'm not going to say i believe therefore i am strong therefore i have hope do that sometimes maybe but also just say I'm in the struggle, Lord, feed me, Lord, give me rest. Just join in mm. the prayer of the, you know, yeah, find the good. story, join their prayer. Don't try yeah. and conclude it. Don't try and say, oh, but, if, you know, don't try and give it a Hollywood ending. Just literally yeah. stay in that moment with them and tell that story. And I, and I think that leads in really well to um, to idea eight. Um, pastorally, stay in that moment with people. Don't. Don't run yeah. away. Don't shy away. People, um, we live lives in mm. relationship, um, and often, as Sam's reminded us, when we feel that kind of dip in our in our mood, sometimes we run the opposite direction from church when we just need to be back with those around us. So there's something about being in partnership with um, with people around as we all walk our, our lives together. But John encourages us to be in partnership as we write this, not to kind of do a collaboration necessarily, not to do a co-write. But to sit alongside somebody or to think of those people we've sat alongside, to bounce our thoughts off, our words off, just check if it feels like it resonates, if it connects with some of their experience. Um, talk to someone who's experienced the things that we're trying to write about. So, so it has that authenticity, so it has that connectedness to real experience, not just kind of devoid of that and um, kind of has a nice tune or, or rhymes neatly. Um, what does it actually stack up like? If some, because ultimately our, our aim is for people to sing these songs and if a song comes out that is clearly focused on addressing our mental well-being and we've got it wrong, that's probably going to um, push people mm. away from feeling that's understood rather than draw them closer. Mm. So um, do, if you have a chance, check it out with some of the people around you who you've supported. Hmm. And then finally, number nine, John was big on the Psalms. And we don't really need to say much more, do we? Go and, go and get a Psalm. Do what, <laughs> see, see what the Psalm says. You sing that because that's going to give you absolutely plenty to work with. I'm sort of aware we haven't used the word lament in this, but I don't mind that because I feel like I feel like it's an important lament is, is so important. But we talk about it quite a lot these days. So sure, let's let's dive in on lament as well. Mm. But I, I thought it's quite helpful in this to just kind of come up with nine approaches where we're not necessarily using the word lament. So we've got a bit of texture and variety in those in those ideas as well. That's the end of our podcast for this month. All that remains is to introduce the featured song, which this month is uh, Sam's song, Where Are You in the Storm, which draws its inspiration from the story of the disciples in the boat with Jesus in the middle of a storm saying, do you even care, Lord? Are you Lord after all? And um, 
we wrote it, or Sam wrote it to be part of Doxicology, but actually, as soon as you start imagining other situations, it's really applicable in lots of ways. So it's um, great to be able to share this one with you. Until next time, bye-bye. Bye. See you later.